Good morning, church. Welcome to 2021. Woohoo! As the ushers are finishing up, go ahead. Well, Pastor Steve already introduced it. We are on a new team of the of new year, new team, new series. So let's just go ahead and jump in. My name is Armin. I'll be delivering the word to you. So let me begin. Um, a Greek philosopher by the name of uh, Heraclitus. Heraclitus says this. The only thing constant in life is change. And some change are good. Example, 2021. It brings, us, it brings hope, right? After going to 2020, oh, we're excited for 2021. But of course, any change does not necessarily mean good things. There's still going to be what? Uncertainty. Especially on this generation, we are seeing change happen so fast in the area of technology. Your iPhone, your Samsung, whatever it is, it changes as, it, I think it changes faster than you can change your shoes now, right? I used to buy my shoes once a year, but, uh, but, but your phone changes faster. But anyway, but there are certain things that are good or certain constant things that, that, is, uh, that remains constant that is also good, that, which means really it's not good that everything changes, but we, all, we always need something that re to remain constant. For example, the ancient seafarers, the ancient mariners uh, uh, that uh, navigated the oceans, how did they get to the places that they need to go? They would always focus on something that does not change. And what are they? The sun and the stars. That's, the, that's the, those uh, two objects that would never change. So regardless of what weather brings, whether the ocean is rough or the ocean is smooth, they would always look on something that is constant, and that's what brings them back to the place that we're need, where they need to go. In our life, it's, all, it's the same thing. We need something like that. We cannot just, we, it's hard to trust on something that keeps changing because we do not know. And for today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about an attribute of our awesome God so that we, just like the, the days of the ancient seafarers, we can keep our eyes on that attribute of God so that it can take us into this life. Amen? Yeah. Excited? So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for 2021. And yes, we, we with hope and anticipation, we look forward for a good year. And we pray, Father, that as we, uh, as we bring in this new year and this new team, we, I pray, Father, that you would open our eyes to see just the greatness of who you are. Open our ears to hear what you're speaking to us. And most importantly, allow our hearts to receive what you have for us. Amen. So let's get into the, let's, let's go ahead and get in. For the text for our, our message today comes from Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 15. So beginning in verse 1, it says this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, just a background. Who is Moses? Most of you are familiar with Moses. Moses was uh, a descendant of Abraham who lived in Egypt when the, in the times when, uh, when Israel was in Egypt. He, 40 years earlier from this passage, he tried to deliver uh, Israel, but he failed. So after that, he ran away and he became a shepherd. He's been in the desert for 40 years. His first 40 years was in Egypt in the palace of Egypt, but his second part of his life, the next 40 years, was in the desert. 
And now finally, this is, that, and this is what's going on in his life. So continuing in verse 2, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God said to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Verse 5, then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to that land, to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Parasites, and the Hibites, and the Jebusites. Verse 9, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12, he says, So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Verse 13, then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God, did, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Let's pause for a moment there. Let me just give you a picture of what's going on. Imagine... For 400 years, uh, Israel has almost forgotten who their God is. They, they probably still have a remnant of, of the name of their God. But now, God appears to Moses and tells Moses, Go to my people and tell them that I have come to deliver you. So Moses asked God his name. And God said, I am that I am. So can you imagine Moses going back to, the, to, to Israel, to the nation, and said, I am has sent me to you. How would you react? Yeah, you're probably going, what's the I am? Who's I am? But that's the name that God used to tell Moses, this is the name that you should use to tell, or this is the name that you should, you should tell my children, my people Israel. So verse 15, it says, Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord, God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. So why is it important that Moses has to ask God his name? Well, back in those days, in the Old Testament, it is very important. What, uh, names are very important because they are a reflection of, of someone's character, someone's nature, someone's mission, 
of, of the person that carries the name. Like, for example, Abraham, Abram, Sarah, all of those has meaning. Uh, Sarah being the princess. So that's, what, that's where Moses was coming from. He wanted to know what name or what character God has so that when he presents him to the people, then the people will have an idea who God is. See, Egypt has about 2,000 gods. And if you have been living in a place for 400 years, I'm pretty sure you are familiar with the culture of, that, uh, of a place. Say, for example, in this area of the world, the Asian countries, because, because Spanish came to this area for more than 300 years, the reality is a lot of our cultures are not original anymore. They are mostly an influence of the Spanish culture. So imagine 400 years, a nation who has lived on another nation, they probably have followed the gods of the Egyptians. So that's why Moses was asking God, God, what name should I give them? Are you a powerful God? Can you go against the gods of the Egyptian, the 2,000 gods that they have? And this is, what, and this is where we're going to look at. This is what we're going to look at. The first name that God gave to Moses. Amen? And it's the word, I am that I am. Over the years, that word has been translated to mean Jehovah and the Lord. But originally, in the Hebrew language, it's just a tetragram of four letters. It's yud he bab he. So go ahead, next slide. So J.I. Packer says this, that the, word, that the word Yahweh or Jehovah, whatever, when you look at your Bible, the Lord, so now when you look at your Bible and you read the Bible, whenever you come to, uh, you, when you come across the word, the Lord, L-O-R-D, all capital, all capital letter, that means God is saying, I am that I am. That's the I am, all right? So, according to J.I. Packer, the name Yahweh is not necessarily a description of his character, but it is a declaration of his self-existence and his eternal changelessness, a reminder to mankind that he has life in himself and that what he is now, he is eternally. All right? Still doesn't make sense, Armin. Okay, so let's move on. So what does that mean? So we're going to focus on those two, uh, um, those two elements or those two things about uh, the name Yahweh. The self-existence of God and the eternal changelessness of God. Amen? So what does it mean that God is, self or God is self-existent? This is what it means. God has no origin. God was not created. Origin is a word we use for things that are created. Amen? So that means that God being self-existent, He is also self-dependent, and He's also self-sufficient. Which means that matter and space that not, does not affect Him, time and motion does not affect Him. He is outside of time and space, basically. He doesn't hold responsibility he is not responsible for what he has made because he's outside of it. And here's one thing that may surprise you. Because he is self-existent, God does not need us. That might even offend you. God does not need us. God doesn't even need the angels to worship him. He exists completely on his own. Amen? 
So why is this so important to understand that God exists uh, completely on his own? That he does not need anybody to worship him. That he, he, he existed and because he is eternal, he existed, existed this way even before time. Amen? So, what, so, so, okay, Armin, so what does that have to do with my life today? Well, God is self-existent, but we are not. See, we are the handiwork of God. We were created by the, by the one who has no origin. We were created by God. And because we are created by God, we are dependent upon the one that created us. Every problem we face, the solution has to come back to the one that created us, just like your devices. Usually it says on your devices that if something goes wrong, you're not supposed to open it on, your, on yourself, but what do you do? You bring it back to the manufacturer. Amen? But what do you usually do? We break it, we jailbreak it, and we try to do it on our own. Not so with God. In order for us to understand who we are, we must at least have an understanding of who God is because he is our creator. Amen? And for some reason, God created us above all other creation. He created us in his own image and he created us in his own likeness. Psalms, please. So it says in Psalms, this is what it says in Psalms. Though he is self-existent and self-dependent and self-sufficient, this is what it says in uh, Psalms chapter 8. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. We have been crowned with glory and honor. For whatever reason God had, he decided, I want to crown my uh, man with honor. Of all the creation, we are the only one that is created in the image of God. And that's why, though God is self-existent, we are not. We are very dependent on our creator. In John, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything that was made was made by Him. Nothing was made that was not made by Him. In Colossians, it speaks of the same thing. For everything is created for Him, by Him, and everything consists because of Him. Everything is held together by the power of His Word. That means us. Everything about us is held together by the Creator. Amen? So therefore, if you have a problem, you cannot take creation to solve your problem. you got to go back to the manufacturer, to the create, creator. Are you with me? That's an amen right there. And that's why, and one of the other things about us being created by God is that it says in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in our hearts, in the hearts of man. What does that mean? It means that when God created us, we were created for an eternal purpose. We were created for eternal purpose because we follow our maker. He is an eternal being. We are also an eternal being. And the purposes that we have also are eternal. And, but yet, the heart of man, within the heart of man, is a longing, a striving, a longing to, to get something, to accomplish something, to... To, to be a champion, to make something out of, him, out of himself, not knowing that the only way for that longing to be fulfilled and to be satisfied, it has to be the one who is eternal. Because that purpose is eternal. Therefore, for it to be satisfied and to be fulfilled, it has to be an eternal thing to be fulfilled. Are you with me? Solomon tried it. 
King Solomon, he had all the resources of the world and how we wish, how the desire, the, the hidden desire of the heart of man is, if only I have everything in life, I will try everything. Solomon said that there is nothing that my eyes have desired that I, didn't, that I would hold from myself. All the pleasures of life I have tried. And he surely did. Women, yes. The man has, you know, cars. He had plenty of horses. They didn't have cars then, but they had horses. Mansions, he had building projects after building projects. He had music. He got, a whole, he got an orchestra playing for him, a live orchestra. The man has so much gold that silver was not even uh, a thing in the, in the days of Solomon. Uh, he, anything that he wanted to build, he built. But yet at the end of the day, this, what did he say? He says, all the labor of my hand, my conclusion is, it is empty. It is futile. It is vanity. Why? Because he was trying to fill a purpose that has been put by God for eternity from something that is not eternal. Amen? Another example is the woman in the well in chapter believe chapter 4 of John. This is a familiar story. Jesus came across a woman in the well. Actually, Jesus intentionally met with this woman. So the, the encounter goes where Jesus, she was a Samaritan. Jesus is a Jew. Of course, she said, why do you associate with me? I am a Samaritan. And then Jesus said, give me water. And of course, Jesus said, if you only knew, know the person that's asking you for water, you would have asked me living waters. And then Jesus comes to say, ask, ask the woman, uh, bring your husband. And what did, you, what did she say? He said, uh, I do not have a husband. And Jesus command, commanded her for saying that. But Jesus said, you are right. You have had five husbands plus one because the one that you're living with is not your husband. And here's the point that I'm trying to make in that story. Jesus said in verse 13, he says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. That inner longing to make something out of yourself, that inner longing to fulfill an eternal purpose, because we do not know, we're not connected to our God, we would try everything else to fulfill it, not knowing it is only the one who made us, because it's eternal, that can fulfill that and can satisfy that. And that's why Jesus said, if you drink this water from this well, if you take something natural to fulfill something eternal, you will keep thirsting. And that's why Jesus said in verse 14, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Eternal life. Eternal purpose can only be satisfied by eternal things. Amen? We are eternal being because we follow the likeness and the, and the image of our Creator, our Heavenly Father. Amen. So that's what, that's what that means to us. Why, the, the, that's what it means that God is self-existent, is that we need to go back to our God. To fulfill and to solve any problems that we have, we need to go back to our God. The second part of that statement by J.I. Packer says that it is a declaration of the eternal changelessness of God. This one is easier to understand. It means exactly what it means, that God doesn't change. And because he is eternal, what he was before, he is today, and he will be. We just sang that song. 
So, but this part of this attribute of God, though it's easier to understand, it takes a little more discipline and practice. Why? Because you got to know now what are the things of God. It means that God doesn't change. God is immutable. It means that whatever word that God has spoken in the past will not change. It still applies today. It will still apply in the future. Whatever promises he said does not change. His ways doesn't change. His life doesn't change. His very own son doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So what do we do? Then we have to look. And, that's, and this is the story of the passage that we looked at. God said, my heart for you, Israel, has always been to bring you to a good, and, uh, a good land flowing with milk and honey. That promise to us may not look like that, but it's in the same principle. The promise to us, according to that, uh, to that covenant that he gave to Abraham, according to Hebrews, is a, is a, is a, a life of rest. What's rest? We just, I, I've been talking about the striving from within. We, are, we have this striving, a longing from within to make something out of ourselves. When in reality, we already are something in God. And that's why Jesus said, come to me, those of you who labored and are heavy laden because of your striving, because of your longing to be somebody, to, be, to make something out of yourself, and I will give you rest. I will give you that. That's what Jesus was also talking about. I will give you that living water. So God doesn't change. So, one, uh, so go ahead and show Exodus 30, 34. So Exodus chapter 34 is, is a complementary or supplement of Exodus chapter 3. When God told Moses first that I am that I am, and, and he says I am the Lord, that was a declaration of his uh, self-existence and his eternal changelessness. But this is really his character. This is the part where he tells Moses and he proclaims to Moses, this is really who I am. This is really the character behind my name. And it says this, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, that is supposed to be capital L-O-R-D, I'm sorry. So the Lord, the Lord God. So he's saying Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. We, keep, we always say God is good all the time, and all the time is God is good. In reality, God is abounding in goodness. He's just not good. He's abounding in goodness. I mean, God being good is good enough. But yet he says he is abounding in goodness. Isn't that great? So this is the name that God told Moses. This is the name. Go ahead and show verse 15, please. Exodus 3.15. So this is the name. This is what God told Moses. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generation. If you're going to remember me, remember me by this name. And the name, though, like what we said, it's not necessarily a description of his character, but he's, what he's really declaring is two things. And this is my conclusion, what he's re- and Pastor Steve already said it. He, he, he said it before I could say it. The two elements of, that, of the name Yahweh is his self-existent. 
which really, I believe, is his greatness. And then the other part of that is his eternal changelessness that he does not change. And it's really, I believe, it's a part of his goodness. So what God is declaring to Moses and is still declaring to us today that this is, if you're going to remember me in the beginning of 2021, remember this, I am great and that I am good. Amen? And this is the name that you can, that's what he said, this is my name forever and this is my memorial to all generation. Amen? Are you blessed, church? Just to end, one more. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Yes, it's great, it's 2021. But yet, we still don't know. Amen? Life is full of uncertainty. Life is full of change. But the good thing is here, this is the promise of God. And you can rely on Him because He does not change. He says, whatever will come to you, it says that I will make sure I will work it for your good. I will make sure that those who love me and those who are called according to His purpose, everything that, can, that will happen to you, though how uncertain they are, it will, I will turn it for your good. Amen? Because our purpose is what? It is an eternal purpose. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for what you have for us. Thank you that in you we can rely. And just like the ancient seafarers that navigated this world before us, Father, may this attribute of yours that you are great and that you are good always be in our hearts. And I just even pray for us today, Lord, as we dismiss. I pray, Father, that you would continue to be with us. Continue to be with us. And let me just pray as we dismiss. Father, bless us, keep us, protect us. Father, may we rely on you, rely and put our trust in you. And I pray, Father, that everyone who's watching today and who are in this sanctuary, I pray that you would continue to protect us as we venture out in this world, as we continue to live this life yet with an eternal purpose in mind. So, Father, have your way in our life. Protect us. Bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're dismissed, church. Have a good week. And I'm rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up. I'm